Let's just end breaking news. Dub or bullshit. Dub or bullshit. No bullshit. Na 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 na. No bullshit. No bullshit. On baby. Welcome back to the coolest hour in news. On no the lower bullshit level. news hour. No Facebook live this week. Okay, well, that's okay. Bob's off getting drunk somewhere. <laughs> he, he fucked the whole thing up last week when I we had uh, Johnny see the stuntman and I came yeah. down the stairs. Wait, it didn't come on? Yeah, well, it wouldn't be the no bullshit news hour without a technical fuck up. So, <laughs> what happened, Joey? Bob hit the off button on the camera, didn't he? Yeah, we're gonna get Joey to touch. Yeah, he may have just clicked off of the screen a little bit. So he clicked after, off after the, all of that. After that whole prep, my my whole fall that was pretty good fall. Yeah, it was, and you practiced it, and it was perfect. And then he turned it off. Oh well. Okay, that's all right. We'll keep it moving. But remember, you know, um, tell your friends, tell yourself, tell your mom. You can go to uh, iTunes, put in Laduff. You can put in No Bullshit News Hour. Download it, subscribe, and then you it'll come to you. You'll be notified. Yep. How's that? Did I do right? Is it, did I well. do what Drew told me to do? That's perfect. Right. You know, and Google what else? What else? Google Play. Yeah, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're in all of it. You're everywhere. We're over 3 million now in just about 60 shows. Wow. But anyway, I, I, I digress. Cool. You know, but when I, Drew, Drew, if you're listening, no, I'm not doing Odell Beckham. No, I'm not doing the green ooze. No, I'm not talking about Senator Lucido and his bad manners. I'm not talking about the Houston Astros. You know why I care? Why? Because everybody's talking about that shit. That's true. Right? Everybody's got an opinion. You don't want that, people, out there. You got one hour well, I guess shoveling your snow. That you don't want the same topic, just having it repeated from different voices. It, it gets tired. It does. It does. So that's not what we're going to do. We're going to have, uh, like we promised, we're going to have uh, City Council member uh, Eric Mays on. Eric Mays. Deep voice. Going viral again. Eric Mays. <laughs> For, like... Uh, Giving the Nazi salute to the city council president. Uh, it's, that's the anxiety going on in regular America. And we're going to have uh, uh, John Mozina, president of the Center of, uh, for Economic Accountability. Let's, let's get a rational, even-keeled, unaffiliated economist to look at all this money that, that we're pumping in. I promise you it won't be boring, but uh, you know, I do need to start real quick. It'll probably be old news by the time you get this because... You know, it's not Facebook Live, but uh, President Trump has rounded out his defense team, mm-hmm. right, for his, uh, it's not even impeachment hearing, is it? It's his trial. Well, he's going to trial next, uh, starting Tuesday. Right, and what happens if the president does get removed? Nobody expects him to. Well, but Charlie, impeachment and well, removal wait, from office are two things. I know, but I'm saying impeachment and removal from office are two different what things. Hap- well, now it's the... But if he is removed from office, then Pence... 
uh, becomes, I mean, you're, you're Pence becomes president. Yeah, and so. But Pence can't run for re-election if he becomes president because he hasn't filed his campaign paperwork. paperwork. Hmm. So yeah. Trump, the guy that's been removed, could probably run again. He will run again. <laughs> and then if that if this keeps up, I'm gonna have to vote for the dude just so like. My favorite soap opera goes on. And that's exactly what it is, Charlie. Doesn't it seem like it's a it? soap opera? <laughs> nobody's watching this shit. It's crazy. Nobody's watching the nobody d- democratic debates. Either. Nobody can keep up either, Charlie. And why is that, Karen? It's just it's too much. You know, I mean you think about all the pomp and circumstance about the delivery of the articles, you know, everybody's See that? I was like, what is this? And then Nancy Pelosi, you know, with the one letter or one stroke for each pen, and I'm like, this is what we criticize Donald Trump for doing and holding is just too much. Like and it terrible takes, theater, yeah, right? Yeah, Look like the Stepford Wives walking to the pool with iced tea with those papers, right? <laughs> and was, then McConnell said, he's not, he can't be objective. He said, this is a political process. So everybody's so party loyal that it doesn't matter. They're going to stick to their party commitment. Uh, he said that yesterday. So, you know, the, the oath be damned. And look, whose fault is it? It's their fault and it's, it's the... Mainstream national media's fault. You know why? Because everything was the same volume. Melania's jacket, Melania's heels, uh, Trump throwing towels at a hurricane site, uh, the shithole comment, the bombing of uh, the Iranian general, right? Everything is the same tone. And I, it's hard for me. That's why I, I'm bored with all this shit. Well, what's exciting to you, Charlie? Well, what's, you know, you're going to know by now, but I'm just going to say it like so. Trump doubles down on this show, doesn't he? Because two lawyers he's going to have are Ken Starr, who was the independent counsel, the guy that came up with the blue dress charges on Clinton. And I know Clinton lied to a grand jury, folks, so don't don't send the comments. I'm not even reading them anyway, right? Then what did Ken Starr do after that? Ken Starr was the president of Baylor University, and he was gone in a sex abuse scandal. Sexual misconduct, and he didn't handle it right, like what went on at Michigan State. So there's a guy. He'll fit right in. And then the other guy is Alan Dershowitz, the retired Harvard yeah. professor, the guy that def- successfully, successfully defended OJ and helped Epstein, uh, Jeffrey Epstein get that nice deal where, you know, even though he's trafficking in minors, he's allowed to leave jail. Really easy terms. This, and this. he's accused. <laughs> Of trafficking young girls himself. Then Trump's in in his uh, rightful company. What a show. Yeah. What a show. That's what it is. That I probably won't watch. Right? So. You can listen to everybody else. They'll talk about it. I just wanted to say I got off the phone and, yeah, it's true. And I'm sure it's going to be old news, but I I had to do it. Before we go any farther, let me uh, tell you about American Coney Island. When you say American Coney Island, you say Detroit, American Coney Island. The city's oldest family-run restaurant and birthplace of the famous Coney Dog. Chili, mustard, and Vidalia onions. Perfect for the football playoffs. Send your friends a Coney kit, a dozen dogs with all the fixings right to their door, just in time for the game. Go to AmericanConeyIsland.com or go downtown at the corner of Michigan and Lafayette. Don't forget... American Coney Island also caters parties and tailgates. Always delicious, always open, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. American Coney Island. That's every day. We're a lot of sorts today. It's okay, sorts. Charlie. You're entitled. Just, yeah. just take it easy. I'm all right. It's just, uh, it's been a disconnected week. Why? 
because, <laughs> look, it's zoo time now. You're zoo animals out there, you know, to the, to the, pol- the political class and the national media. Where have they been? They haven't really written about your life or reported about it in any honest way, right? You're just a, a polling number. So now it begins. I had to take a crew from Norwegian National TV around because I said I would. So they're going to call a reporter to take a reporter around to look at the zoo animals, which is all of us, right? I take that seriously because I I guess I'm going to have to show you because you're not going to look for yourself. I'm getting calls from the Washington press corps. Hey, let's pal around. Like, where the fuck you been? Well, but better late than never, Charlie. And if anybody's going to show them the real deal, the real people, the real challenges, the real, you know, struggles and the real successes, I can't think of anybody better. Well, find them yourself because you know what? It starts yeah, to get repetitive too much work, and slant. Charlie, they aren't doing all that. Come on. Yeah, so, you know, this week I'm, I'm hanging out in a sauna with a bunch of naked middle-aged white men. It doesn't sound appealing. You know what naked middle-aged white men say behind closed doors? No, actually, I don't. You have no idea, do you? I don't. Not sure I want to, but go ahead. Well, here's the thing. Whether they're conservative or liberal, and these were like artists and mechanics and HVACs guys and sculptors and photographers, but they belong to like a, an ethnic club that their grandparents set up when they came from the old country, right? So they com- maintain a community. Is that like that bathhouse thing? Yeah, it's like okay. Scandinavian shit. You know, it's, they're into it. And then they jump into a frozen lake and then they run back into the 200 degree sauna, right? And then they sag to the floor. And it's, yeah, it's a little, it's a little disconcerting. But to a person, and I've heard this at Christmas tree sales at the church and all that, like white men are not the enemy and they don't want to be seen as the enemy and they don't want to have to defend themselves and like they're the problem. And you know, they, they see it that way. They, what they tend to see themselves really as is, is the backbone. They take care of their families. They pay their taxes. They employ people. They're good employees. And to sort of be the outlier all of a sudden is annoying to them. That that sounds that it would be Charlie. Nobody wants What's wrong to be, with Whitey. Not well. Well, so they say. But I mean, my my point is, is that nobody wants to be seen as you know anything. Unliked. Yeah. Well, unliked or less than. Um, That's why I said. I said, how's it feel, Whitey? <laughs> how's it feel? But like I said, you know, I'm not. I, I disagree with Bob. Like, remember we had that conversation. I think we've come a long way. These are these are good men. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that for all the good that they do, that there is still not some contribution to the problem, the downfall of the compromise of other people or society as a whole. I'm saying they can do all those things. They can, you know, take care of their families. They can be an employer. They can be good people. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that not necessarily individually, but maybe collectively, that there's not something reflective of who they are and what they represent in this country. That doesn't undermine those who don't look like them. Uh, you're talking in code. You better just no, say No, I'm not it. talking yes, in that's code, totally Charlie. Cool. I have no idea what you said. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm saying that they could be good people yeah. and still be part of the problem. Yeah, but like again, I think the point is you're looking at it collectively like they're a problem. And they don't see themselves as a problem. Who does see themselves as a problem? Well, exactly. Who? So, again, y- you... You would say, okay, like uh, poor black America mm-hmm. 
it has a problem. That is a, has a problem, like the violence and you know taking care of your kids and all that. And then, but if you go there and you actually talk to real people, most people don't live like that, think like that, or see themselves like that. Exactly. And that's what that's why so I say the same them, thing. How's it feel, Whitey? And right, because you're judging people, right? And over years, these guys, you know, from their forebears are learning. Hey, stop looking at the world like your forebears did. And they, they don't. So how come they don't get the same? Well, I think that they have to they have to do something, expose themselves like you, Charlie. You're talking about people when, when you oh, you they were go exposing themselves. You go not like that. Yeah. But I'm saying in term then they, they can't continue to follow the path of the status quo. What? I'm saying they've gotta they've gotta connect. They've gotta expose themselves, not like that, but to other people to other situations and to be able to show that they're not like that that they're not part of the problem so what are they doing to help either address the problem or not contribute to it and if nobody knows about it then what difference does it make the only thing an individual can do is be a good person yeah but if you're being a good person to to yourself and your family i mean that's a start that's a big deal but if you it's feel the main deal. but it, it well it is the main deal but if you feel ostracized or un, un, unjustly criticized mm-hmm. For being something else, and it bothers you, Speak up. then you have to say or show that you're not what you think other people think you are. Is anybody interested in seeing? Do you have to speak? Can't oh, you do yeah. it by example? Isn't well, that's that what, what I'm saying about? by see. But I'm saying they have to see them doing something or saying something or showing a different side. You know, if they're following the path of their forebears and, and, and doing the same thing and they're doing the status quo, then they're still part of that group. I'm see. I'm vouching for Whitey. I'm vouching for him. I know uh, you know any white men. Yeah, you know a lot of them. That's a lot. Like more I, than more than more than uh, more two. than the three more that's than in the, here. The three yeah. in the house. Charlie, yeah. just listen. That's why it's like people. Do you think like that, them? I like people. I mean, if you're a good person, I like you. I don't mm-hmm. care what color you are. Right. I do. If you're a jerk or a hole, I don't like you. I don't care what color you are. I don't. So I know a lot of people, Charlie. I know a ton of people. No, nobody All wants to be lumped into a group of a stereotype. And no, nobody does. I'm just watching them, and you know, mm-hmm. like one guy's like, "This, this, this is such a redneck drink right here." Listen to this one: bourbon, burners, and vodka. <laughs> Fucking furnace. And a dude's drinking it in the sun. It's 200 degrees. It's flat and warm, right? And this guy starts mumbling about Trump. And there's some Trump supporters in there, and there's some people that really dislike Trump in that in that sauna. But to a man, they all flashed eyes at him. Like, you're not doing that. You're not going off, right? You're going to be respectful. Um, and they put him out a couple weeks earlier for his behavior like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really interesting just to be a, a fly on the bench. You know, like, oh, so look go how these guys in, handle it. So go sit in a sauna with a bunch of black guys and come back and tell me what you That's see what I and hear. Go to the barbershop. Exactly. No, I said sauna. That's yeah. different. But anyway, okay, go to the barbershop. Well, I will if anybody wants to invite me to one. I mean, I'm, all right, so all the black guys listening, invite Charlie out to hang out. But, you know, you, you hang I out. I do with hang people. out. Yeah, I know you do. So that's that's nothing new. But I do not like getting my, my mustache cut in the black barbershop. Why? Because they always give me an uh, an arrow Flynn, one of those little thin pencil. One, you know what I mean? All it takes like an hour to get it just perfect. It's like my grandpa wore that one. You have to yeah. tell them what you want, Charlie. I just I just figure you know trim it. But you're pretty fly, so they you know just they get it keep, off they, my they, lip. They want to keep you cool. Right. Uh, speaking of uh, is is uh, councilman speaking sp- of fly speaking of mustaches, 
uh, uh, on the phone joining us. And, and speaking not only of mustaches, but anxiety and frustration in the real America, right? Beyond the headlines. We're going back to Flint right now, which used to be in the headlines. And then it's boring to everybody now. And Flint's in a really difficult way. Tempers are flaring. Uh, and we've got a uh, friend of the show, city councilman, Eric Mays. You there? Hey, good afternoon. Charlie How, How you doing, brother? I'm trying to see which barbershop I'm going to take you to. There you go. All right. Are we going to take a sauna together? Well, I don't know. <laughs> That's the answer I wanted, dude. We can get our mustaches trimmed. Yeah, and I'll, I'll treat you to a Verna's and vodka, but I'm not taking a steam bath with you, bro. No offense. <laughs> you know, I don't drink and drive. Not anymore. Not anymore. And remember, if the dentures don't fit, you must have quit. If the teeth fit, you must have quit. I was not at a point zero eight, uh, according to the testimony, not guilty. But anyway, Charlie, okay, I was so you're, you're going, you're going viral again. I was enjoying uh, listening to you guys talk. Was that all right? Because, you know, like I said, yeah. I'm out of sorts. But anyway, like you are not. The Green Ooze, the Houston Astros, Odell Beckham Jr., or Senator Lucido. But you're gone viral. You, sir, gave the Nazi salute to the city council president this week. <laughs> what? Well, it was no joke. called a Hitler. Charlie, Councilman Mays in my elected seat in office, you can check the record, all of our meetings are recorded. I bet you I've been arrested and wrongfully handcuffed and removed out of my council seat more than any council person probably in the history of the city of Flint. It's happened under emergency managers who I refer to as dictators. It's happened under council presidents, Kerry Nelson and others. I've got paid for one. I even got removed and arrested for simply saying, Madam Clerk, I'd like to call the meeting order roll call, Madam Clerk. That's January 23rd, maybe, 2019. Maybe you have a problem. I you say I don't. Well, I call it dictatorship uh, and Gestapo tactics. I like a democracy. There you go with the Nazi, uh, you know, uh, vocabulary again. Let me do this so the... Well, let me say this, Charlie. If I'm told not to say another word by somebody who's acting like a dictator, I think they know what it means when I don't say another word. I avoid an illegal arrest and stay in my seat. My job is to focus on the budget, the audit, the lawsuits in the water case, people done died. I'm the fighter. I'm going to continue to fight. Now I'm getting all these calls from the um, Jewish Federation leagues and others. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, well, I'll take all of what y'all say under advisement. But if you go on Family Feud and Steve Harvey say, Charlie, name a bad dictator and the lady next to you say Boop, she hit the button before you do and she say Saddam Hussein and then you they say it's number three ain't but three answers up there and then they say Charlie and you say Adolf Hitler I bet you you gonna have the number one answer <laughs> and you pass a play I don't know who you can use 
Um, oh, to hold, say hold on, whether hold you should say Hitler, Kim Jong Un. Hold on, hold on. Let me let, let's let's clue the listener in here. Uh, mannequin, uh, we we got the clip. Why don't we play it here? I I should tell the viewer, uh, the listener, that during this you you do throw the the Heil Hitler sign. So uh, hold on. Now go ahead and play that. You. Well, we are ending this portion, and so thank you. We will be talking to you, and Ms. I just Galloway. want to say for the record, Galway, point of information. What's your point of information? Did you have to be rude to me? I'm trying not to be well, rude. You shouldn't have. I was rubbing them up. I was thanking them. You ain't got to be like Hitler. I'm not. You you sound like it from I'm where not. I sat. Like Hitler, what you want me to do? Down with that. Mr. Mays, you, you, you can be ruled out of order, too. And now, so, can I say point of information? Mr. Mays. And I said that. Mr. Mays, you're And I'm going to do a done. point of information. What's your point of information? Do you want me to communicate with you like Hitler? Next on our agenda is <laughs> the presentation of minutes. <laughs> now, wait a minute. That was so, shade. So that, that was shade. That really was. I mean, uh, okay, look, let's do this. Let's, do you want to apologize? What does shade mean? I mean, ugh. Just dismissing you in a, in, in a very quiet, subtle manner. Yeah, it was better than getting arrested. Y'all had to be in my shoes. I've been arrested way too many times. I know you listed it, but but look, let, let's let's try to do something good here. Do you want to apologize? Because that you know, I mean, you know, when when the uh, Jewish community is calling you up, you know what that means. You want to just maybe apologize for your your choice of uh, dictators. It just you know that's the one. Maybe maybe Sorry, the Nazis when, they say the, when they say the Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan is offensive to me. When they say white supremacists and doing stuff, now it's offensive to me. I've told the Jewish community, and I'll tell you, I'm learning what this feels to them. I don't didn't know, ain't meant no harm to nobody. I'm taking it under advisement. When a circuit court judge is gathering so information, s- s- you're, you're I'm s- gathering information. I'm taking under but advisement. I didn't know you couldn't use Hitler but, but, as but an example of a dictator. But you're s- you're s- s- you're s- <laughs> what? S- you're s- your saw. Do it with me. I'm saw. Saw. Do that, Charlie. Apologize. Do it with me. I'm taking it under advisement. I'm researching. So once you get there, let's let's just say like you you do some research and you take it under advisement. You realize that might have been. A little bit too much. I'm, I'm. Yeah, this is what I researched so far. They say they want people to say, "I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. I understand. I'm sensitive." And that's what some people want people to do in Black America. We it's a word that they got in the Jewish community. Start look like I researched it. It's like a tear tether, whatever the word is. It's four things they want you to do for closure. I'm taking it under advisement. I'm researching what's happening. I'm asking. I mean, and I'm not. I'm not trivializing the impact of what you said on a group of people. 
but it's like no, got, got one person or two emergency managers a dictator monica galloway calm no i'm saying if the jewish if the jewish community has reached out to you and they have four things for you to follow I'm talking about them being offended. I got four things for America to follow. One of them is reparations. One of them is, um, you know, you can't compensate folks for getting lynched and hung. I'm just saying I'm researching it. I'm sensitive. I'm taking it under advisement. But I hope that this go viral nationwide and we can have a dialogue about all cultures. Jews weren't the only ones killed in the Holocaust. Cost. Yeah, but don't diminish it. Well, you know what I mean? I don't think that's diminishing it, but I do think that there are... No, wait a minute. You mean Jews weren't the only ones killed? What? What is that? Right, right. Blacks weren't the only ones killed under the water crisis. I'm telling you, dictatorship huh? is no good, whether it's um, in Flint and Gestapo tactics is used or whether it's in um, Germany. My position is this. I'm for democracy. I'm for freedom of speech. I'm for not getting arrested out of my elected seat way more different than anybody else. I'm telling you, one of the best examples of a dictator, in my opinion, and it came to mind immediately, was Hitler. And I think it'll show up like that on Family Feud if you had to uh, do that. So I don't know whose um, example I should use. Should I have said Kim Jong-un? Yeah, maybe that. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe you picked the wrong dictator, but the standing up and giving a salute, that's a little... That's a little, you know. Well, dramatic. it's one way of communicating without saying another word. This lady had threw Councilman Griggs out the other day. I've been through out repeatedly. So I'm Einstein language is my point. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on in Flint? Because I'll well, tell you. because you guys what? That that was a seven hour city council meeting. Right? Some of them should be 12 hours. What some the of them should What's adjourn. Wrong? Listen, some of them should recess and adjourn on a Monday and re-adjourn on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. This is a legislative session. I'm not going to let nobody set the narrative of how long it takes to take care of city business. That's another flaw, my but, sir, colleague. Well, well, are, are, are you guys, are you guys taking care of city business? If, in fact, this is how the meetings are Is this why the water let issue me, isn't resolved? Let me say this. When that's, I took over as Dumas. finance chair, we was in a nine to twelve million dollar deficit and had emergency managers in place. Now we got a twenty four million dollar fund balance and then threw and ran the emergency managers out. Yeah. Believe me, I can give you a twelve minute talk on all the multi million dollars worth of business we've been taking care of. It's a myth to believe that we ain't been taking care of business. Yeah, but no, it's not maybe I won't go into the taking care of business, but the outlook for Flint is not a good one. The the pensions funded under thirty five percent, right? You've got four hundred workers replenishing it. You got twenty four million in the bank, but the the, Charlie, the future. If you be. buy a three hundred thousand dollar house or a three million dollar house, you got a mortgage.
mortgage. Our pensions will be paid, and the plan is a 30-year plan. Whether we put $10 million or whatever, our retirees will be looked out for under my watch. How? How can you say that? By me keep arguing and fussing and arguing about these millions of dollars. Now, if somebody else want to be finance chair, they can have it. But when it's under my watch, you got a pit bull um, monitoring the uh, purse strings as it relates to right. the you know, I was, I was reading that audit, and there's, there. and there's like contra- money being paid for work that wasn't even under contract. And you know what? You know how you fix that? I'll tell you how you fix it. You subpoena people. You put them on the oath. You get to the bottom of it. You be a true legislature. You don't worry about if a meeting lasts an hour, two or three hours. You recess. You adjourn. You have a real legislative session. This council has been in and out in an hour or two like McDonald's and Burger King. Not under my watch. Have you tried that, uh, the, uh, what is that burger, that, that veggie burger? <laughs> Plant-based burger. Yeah, what's, the Impossible Burger? That's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. Charlie, people try to set the narrative for, for Flint. I'm the one hey, who came up word. with strategy the emergency. I'm the one who done marched with um, the okay. person, what's her name, Aaron Brockovich. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question. Let's, let's, go yes, back, let's go back to your dining options. Does, yes, Flint, does, does Flint have a Chick-fil-A? I don't know, Ronnie. The chick, the plant got a chick for I don't know. I, 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 I be eating at the corner subway. Me and Sam Riddle might have a Kool Aid and a corned beef. I don't know. I go to McDonald's. <laughs> the yeah, I'm gonna have a Halo burger and a vodka burner. Hey, when you hear again, because me and you was on Pulaski Street dealing with the pipes. If you hear again, I'm gonna take you to it. They say you want blue. Orange or red Kool-Aid. That's what I like with my corn beef. Sometimes I get a Coney Island or some fries. Huh, look at that. Well, you come down here, I'll treat you at American. Now, listen, here's, I'm just going to do this. Have you heard of uh, ADR Consultants? Have you ADR. heard of them? Look like I've seen that initial ADR. Listen, sure whether, it's, whether it's government or private industry, you're measured by, by results. Get the job done right, on time, on budget. ADR Consultants, 248-318-9424. Reduce your costs, increase your bottom line. They're experts in procurement, government compliance, information technology, and property management. Honest, ethical, and smart. Now listen, here I got this from a municipality ADR. here. ADR. You want to call them, ready? 248-318-9424 just for a consultation. This is from, I, 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 I got this unsolicited. This is from somebody emailed me in a, a municipality here. It says, Charlie, just want to take a minute to give you some, give some props to one of your sponsors, Barry Ellentuck from ADR Consultants. My city has used ADR for a number of different projects, and we use its consulting services for technology regularly. I've personally worked with Barry in my capacity in two different government entities. Barry and his people have always produced top-notch procurement and consulting services and have truly saved us hundreds of thousands, by now probably millions. They have also saved us an immeasurable value with proper compliance. You can't go wrong with ADR. So, you know. Charlie, as a finance chair, I put them on my agenda, on our agenda, and if there's no objection, they could do a presentation. I can commit to that. 248-318-9424. My number is 
again in I case like them. hopefully they like me okay let's excellent and let's give that number out again in case you demand an apology give them adr's number again i see what you're saying okay ready it's uh 248-318-9424 and my number is 810-922-4860 excellent councilman may city of Flint. Now, Councilman, if a lot of upset people about that that Hitler bit, they might be calling you too. Get ready for it. Oh, I've been ready. My phone been ringing from Mississippi to California to Texas. Uh, believe me, ever since the water crisis, I've operated open, honest, and transparently the best I can. You said in my office when we was trying to track down the health department in the infant stages of the water crisis, and so some people don't know that we're still fighting. I've been fighting since I was 21 years old, third vice president, political action chair, executive board member of the branch of the NAACP. Right already. 61. That's a promoter over here. God. Anyway. Good. Good for you. Hey, I see my friend, Gerald Kareem, got promoted in the UAW. I guess he's going to be a vice president. I used to be recording secretary. I wouldn't take, um, I wouldn't take any job at the UAW. You're going to be working for the federal government before hey, too long. Union Strong. UN, union Strong. Solidarity. But i tell you this. I'm really seriously looking at this um, the calls I'm getting as it relates to people saying they're offended and I'm really seriously has it under advisement as I gain knowledge I'll do research and we'll see how this thing okay, plays let's, out let's right practice now it. my position in is case, in case, one of the worst dictators in, in case you, you come to a conclusion let's, let's practice how the two words sound you and I I'm Come on. Come on. Do it. Do it for for brotherhood. For brotherhood. Yeah, sister, come on. I'm I'm sorry I'm taking so much time to take this under advisement and do my research, but Uh, we're getting there. All right. Hey, listen, uh, thanks. And uh, if something's coming down uh, the, the, the pike in Flint, let us know, please. I, I didn't, you know, okay, I didn't say I'm pike. To these lawsuits get settled, um, Charlie. I lost my mom. People died. Um, it was more than just lead. It was bacteria, germs, brown water. So right now, I don't know what Dana Nestle and um, Kim Worthing and Hamad and them going to do as it relates to criminal and civil charges. Yeah, they got to get your really ass moving. They got to get yeah, your I'm ass really moving. pushing for them to come on and settle these suits. And I mean, charge people. Hell, they charge me. They arrest me in council meetings. I want the same treatment for these other folks who've done wrong. What, who are the lawsuits filed by? Who Are these lawsuits from residents? 
Yeah, you got a class action group of lawyers that was headed up. I remember bringing Trishel Young in, and she didn't put Pitt and a group of lawyers around them. They handling the class actions. Then you got one big firm out of um, New York. They say they was dealing with, I think, even some of the 9-11 stuff, but they are called um, Napoleon and Skolnick, even the guy Crump who handled Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown's in them cases. Did you just say Napoleon? What's with you and the dictators, dude? <laughs> no, Napoleon and Skolnick. I know it sounds similar, but um, that's a coincidence as well. So they've been in here. They first came in here with Hill Hopper, our sponsor. Yeah, I'm not getting lost. Beat. I was just asking who filed the lawsuit, not the not Just the ask me. I'll give you the short it's answer. And I'm sorry. I appreciate it. I'm hanging up on you. Hang up on me, Charlie. Good seeing you. All right, later, man. God bless you. Can't even say I'm sorry. <sighs> that was hard. He's going to study. But I, I, that's, that's the finance chairman uh, of Flint okay. City Council. His voice is, it, it seems like it hurts. <laughs> I think it's made for radio. But uh, not. Well, you know what hurts is, that's, look at that. You know, what, you know what that reminds me of? What? Old Detroit pre-bankruptcy, <laughs> Monica Conyers, Ken Cockrell Jr., Shrek, right? Feds running around everywhere. State Attorney General running around everywhere. Sound like politics. Oh, God. That's what's really going on. Now, listen, if, if you're from Washington Post or the New York Times or whatever, you, I mean, just go to Flint, man. Like, don't go there with the story in your head. Just go and watch and write something original as you see it. You, you notice there's nothing, there's no good reads anymore. Yeah, that's why that's why I click there the clickbait because if once you click on the story, it has nothing to do with the headline, and it's the same thing that you've read already. And it's a bunch of like telegraph dispatch sentences, right? Like going through these, like Odell Beckham or the Green Ooze or the right. There's no the Houston Astros. There's no yarn. There's no story like. What about the guy that washed the uniforms for the Houston Astros? What'd you see in the, sh you know, mm -hmm. like, give well, me a you story. Gotta look behind. You, gotta, you, got, you have to look to see those stories, if that makes sense. You really have to look. Hey, call, call our guy, uh, John, will you? Because um, from top to bottom, trying to cover our society and, and understand all of you out there and, you know, report dutifully and look for good stories like naked guys in a sauna, like what? Middle-aged white guys say behind closed doors. It's fascinating to me. I also spoke to a group of Merrill Lynch bankers. Hmm. Regional meeting. It was interesting. And you know what I really learned? What? They're not sure what the economy's doing either. It's interesting. They're not sure about why we're running a federal deficit. We say the economy's good, but without the borrowing from the federal government, the economy would be shrinking. Or if the economy goes bad, how do you cut interest rates when we've already cut them? Or... How do you cut taxes in the slow times when you cut taxes in the fast times? This is why. And it was interesting. And they were really good people. You know what I mean? Even a couple from Downriver. Because I got introduced as being from Downriver. I said, how dare you? Anybody from Downriver? And there were three of them. And I'm proud of you. That worked for Merrill Lynch? Yeah. And then, you see, that's the thing. We're all assuming. I was just asking, no, Charlie. No, you're not. I wasn't accusing you. <laughs> Because even I was, like, making fun of Downriver, but... I was questioning, but I was trying to be, legit, you know, courteous. And I, I just thought it was interesting. Like, eh. But like you said earlier, 
stereotypes. Nobody wants to be a part of one, and nor should we feed into it. So the first thing is downriver, and Merrill Lynch, that doesn't match, but it does. So. And, and the question, you know, I was getting like, well, don't we, sh- don't we need to hand over hundreds of billions of dollars to billionaires in order to get development rolling? And this is a really big question. It's the question of American economic life. And they said? Well, he was, I, I said... I don't believe so. I'm a capitalist, not a crony capitalist or actually a socialist where the government picks the right. winners. That's how I was taught. You you risk your money, it works, you win. You risk your money, it doesn't work, you lose. That's true. That's how I figured it. So um, there was a really great, there's a, a series of great articles in the Detroit News written by John Mozina, who's a... Um, title is president of the Center for Economic Accountability. I got him pegged as kind of a a libertarian, independent economic thinker. So I reached out to him. But, you know, before I do, that's, you know, Luke Nowacki, a sponsor of the show. He and I don't agree on the fundamentals of, you know, the long-term stability of the economy. But he listens to me. He, He knows how I live my life, what I think. Where I want to go, my my financial uh, risk taking, your comfort level level exactly. So that's how we approach it, right? He and I. Um, you can get a hold of Luke, like it, just just like like ADR. Just call. They'll cost you nothing. Two four eight six six three four seven four eight. Grow your assets from annuities to individual retirement accounts, the college saving plans, to good old stocks and bonds. Make the call now, right? Your children, mm-hmm. your politicians, everybody hanging on you is dependent on you to pay your taxes. Make sure there's something left over for yourself. Luke Nowacki, 248-663-4748. Securities and Investment Advisory Services. Offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Ember, member F. And R-A-S-I-P-C. Roland Associates, Inc., separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referred here are independent of Royal Alliance. And then uh, Hall Financial. Now's the time. Rates of are near historic lows over this decade. Now's the time to get a mortgage, to refinance your mortgage. Do you have lingering high interest rates on your credit cards? You may not know. You can get it all done right through Hall Financial, 248-308-5000. The smart idea is to go to the company with over 1,000 five-star reviews that has recently been averaging 10 days from start to finish for listeners that have applied for a refinance on their mortgage, and that's... Hall Financial. Yeah, simple process. No secret that saving money is smart. You can get started by calling 248-308-5000. Just go to davidhallmortgage.com, equal housing lender, NMLS number 1467435. Okay. Right on. Very good. In the middle of a street. I remember this. In the middle of a street. Our house has a crowd. Who is it? There's always something happening. And it's Don't worry about it. It's not wham. Hey, John, you with us? John, what are you doing? How's it going? What are you doing? Are you on the crapper? <laughs> no, it's a product. Can you not hear me? Yeah. Hang on a second. Maybe he's in the sauna. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah. 
Are you All a white right. guy? <laughs> What's that? Are you a white guy? I am, yes. Uh, do you like saunas? Uh, not especially, no. Are you in any kind of shape? No. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm like 48 and fat, you know. Yeah, now, when's the last time you looked at yourself in the mirror? Uh, like, really had the guts to look at your guts? No, that's, that's, that's not a pretty thing, no. No, see, I was taking off my clothes. I was going into this sauna, right? And there was this, like, evil mirror. <laughs> and I was taking them off, and I try to keep fit. And I look at this thing, and I'm like, what the fuck? It is the mirror, Charlie. It's the mirror. <laughs> oh, my God. I called the hotel once. I was like, uh, there's something wrong with this mirror up here. Can you come and replace it and fix it? I've become one of them. You know what it is? Yeah. It's like your body no. succumbed to gravity and these strange patches of hair defy it. You got a dad bod, Charlie? Oh, my God. I was like, where'd that fucking come from? Charlie, you're thin, man. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, but it just, it, it's thin and it doesn't really look as good jiggle? as it used to look. Does it jiggle when no, you No, it doesn't. doesn't. Okay, then you're okay. I'll hold it in. I'm going to get spanks. <laughs> <laughs> that lady's what? a billionaire for a reason. Uh, John, I, look, this is the numbers part, everybody. Mm. But for all you out there, like, respect. Hey, John, give us your political outlook. Who are you? I'm not calling uh, guys that agree with me. I'm just calling guys that read like they're independent and smart. So who are you? I, I, say, I say I'm libertarian, not, not more of a mindset than a political party. I mean, I, I don't consider myself part of any political party. I, I sort of... Uh, I tend to boil down my my views into the idea that that uh, government should protect us from each other, but not from ourselves. Um, mm. And I'm skeptical, just in general, that uh, um, you know that, that the government is always the tool to solve problems. I think that that we have a responsibility to each other to to like take care of each other, to build a good community, to leave like the world a better place than we found it as much as we can. Um, and I think that you know we have a moral responsibility to, to to you know help people who can't help themselves. But I also think that that evidence shows that government's usually a pretty crappy way of going about doing that. So I try to find ways of of doing good in the world that uh, uh, don't necessarily involve politicians and bureaucrats. So you go ahead. Give me, I was going to say, give me an example because we were just talking yeah. about this when people want to break away from the stereotype of people not mm-hmm. doing what the people before them did or that they're different. So give us. You mean you, know, you mean this 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 chubby white guy, <laughs> right? Who who pays his tax? Like okay, so you're you're not an insular racist white guy. What what is it you do to try to help all of us? Well, I mean, that what I'm doing these days is is I'm looking at uh, you know I was fortunate enough, fortunate enough to be born into a family that had resources oh, and, and rich, in a community. Dumpy. Middle-aged uh, white guy. My, my parents both worked for a living. Oh. My, my grandparents. I hate those guys. Oh, rich boy! Oh, I want to hear his story. You said your grandparents. What? Go ahead. My, 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 my grand, my you know, my, my one grandparent who went to college first, first person in the family to go to college. My parents both did. We had a you know family business. A little Wait a minute. Your grandparents were the first. Charlie, let him talk. Yeah. I was the first. Okay, I'm pissed. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, you know, so I, I I came out of you know not rich or anything, but, you know, it had, you know, was it we weren't hurting for food or a roof over our heads. And, and it, I, you know, I grew up in Gross Point living next door to Detroit and sort of seeing like, why Which point? are these folks who are, are just as decent, just as good human beings, just as, as deserving of a good life as, you know, across Alter Road here? Why, why should 
their houses be worse? Why should their schools be worse? Um, and then sort of looking at that on a, on a global level and trying to figure out, you know, uh, economics started because Adam Smith back in the 1700s asked the question, asked the question, why are some countries rich and some countries poor? Um, you know, his whole the book, The Wealth of Nations, was an inquiry into the causes of the wealth, of the, what actually causes mm-hmm. wealth. Wealth is the absence of poverty. Um, so what, what causes wealth? And that took me through a various string of things. I spent 20 years sort of in private sector, marketing, PR, whatnot, world around town and around the country. And I, I've gotten to the point of sort of being like, you know what, I know how to spend time trying to figure out uh, using all of the evidence from all sorts of researchers and history all over the political spectrum, what can we be doing in our communities, cities, states, country to do things that make it so fewer people are poor, more people are wealthy, that they have the resources they need to meet their wants, to do good things, to leave something for their kids, to do good in the community. Okay, um, and so, a lot of times that involves not, not having the government trying to run it. Cause so what are you doing? So, no, 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 we're, we're, we're now getting right into it, which is you're looking at the economics of Detroit. You're looking at the development projects. The Let me ask it this way. Mm-hmm. Little Caesars Arena, the train station for Ford the skyscraper and sundry other developments for Gilbert, the Chrysler plant on the east side. When you you add all this up, what's promised, what we're giving in sweeteners, mm-hmm. does Detroit win? No, not, not even close. And it's not just Detroit. I mean, I... Um you know the organization uh, that I started with some some colleagues and and I'm running now. You know we work at the national level. We work across the country. We've been brought into places like uh, Iowa and Georgia and elsewhere to to help them out. But you know my my heart is here. My home is here. Um, you know we're based here. They're like, are you going to move to DC? I'm like, why the hell would I move to DC? I'm going to I'm going to leave Detroit. So we're Detroit is a is a perfect example of how. Um, in the name and and with the promises of doing good for the whole community, um, what ends up happening is politicians get to, to look good for voters and big corporations get to cash a bunch of checks and things don't actually get any better for the average person. Well, how do you um, measure that? You, These are promises into the future. They, and they look good when you say, mm-hmm. give me $450 million and I'll, I'll, create 5,000 new jobs making mm-hmm. 60,000 a year. I mean, that sounds like a winner. Well, it, it does, but the problem is, is that, and this is one of the challenges, is that the the average person, um, uh, and this isn't a downside, it's just people, there's no reason for people to spend their days thinking about economics, but the sure. average person does, doesn't doesn't look at this stuff, and that's sort of what we're trying to do, is explain that, that what people are sold is the benefits, but what they're not given any good insight into is the costs. And all the research that's out there shows that people love these deals. They love the idea of the Chrysler plant or the Gilbert's buildings or the Little Caesars Arena or whatever mm-hmm. because it's, it's, they hear about the benefits, they hear about the jobs, da 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 All the research shows that when people are actually given a little bit of equal time to the costs, 
that all of a sudden people get way less excited about this stuff, just as with anything else. You know, if somebody's like, hey, here's this great car, it does 200 miles an hour, and it, you know, works on like unicorn wishes or whatever, and you're like, that's great, I want that. And they're like, yeah, but it's a $2 million car. You're like, I'm not buying that car. You know, that's what we have to do. So, for instance, you talked about the Chrysler plant. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, all, all the numbers are, are so big that nobody can wrap their heads around it. I mean, nobody has an idea of what $422 million is. You know, you are, there's no sense of, of context that anybody can possibly have with that. Um, so try to break it down and actually put it in terms that maybe people could understand. So um, one component of that whole big deal was that the city went out actually wrote a check to Crown Enterprises, the Maroon family business, uh, around $42 million, I think, to them to buy land that the Jefferson North plant expansion needed. And then the city turned around and gave the land that it had bought for $42 million to FCA for free as part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can't understand $420 million. It's even hard to understand $42 million. Um, what you can say is, hey, that's more money that the city spent on that free land than it spent to run the entire Detroit Health Department that year. And all of a sudden, people start going, well, that doesn't seem right. And then I get to go, I know, right? And we have a, a larger discussion about that. So that's the kind of thing is when you start comparing the numbers of the costs of these deals to things that people actually care about, all of a sudden they start they start asking harder questions and they start to sort of automatically supporting this stuff. Um, and that's the discussion. That's where we've all got to get is we've got to get to the point where our leaders, whether it's the business leaders or the political leaders, uh, where we're, we're forcing them to be honest up front with the cost. Well, let me do this. Let me go like this. Okay. So they would have, let's do some math, 5,000 new workers, right? Mm-hmm. And let's just assume what they're telling you is true, that they're going to make 60,000 a year on average, right? That's 300 million dollars is that correct that is correct in a year at a two percent income tax rate for the city right that's six million dollars so the city will get six million dollars a year if in fact all these jobs appeared and stayed there so if we gave them 42 million just just for the land we would recoup the city would recoup its cost in eight years and you have 5,000 people working a pretty good job. So why wouldn't we support that? Well, because there's, there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, the first is... Yeah, pretty smart, eh? that, Thank you. Uh, the, fir- the first is that um, all of these, you know, all of these um, sort of calculations like that, they're all based on sort of the, the assumption that the crisis is only going to do that plant there or they're only going to hire that people, those people. Yes. Uh, if we give them that deal, if we give them that land, um, that same quarter that they that they got all that money, they had something like a eight hundred. I don't know the number in front of me, like eight hundred and eighty something million dollar quarterly profit. Now you're talking. Now you're so talking. The, the, like the, the question is like Chrysler's got to build cars and trucks someplace. They got to hire people to build those cars and trucks someplace. They're going to go out of business if they can't. Um, the problem with all of these deals is is. Uh, it's something that economists call the but-for argument, which I say is, a, is a evidence that economists like shouldn't name things because nobody knows what the hell that means. It's basically the idea that unless you give them 
the incentive, they're not going to do it. But the evidence is overwhelmingly that at least three quarters of the time, the business was basically going to do the exact same thing without the incentive because they got to do business someplace. They got to have a headquarters. They got to have a plan. They got to have a down there. They already already had 5,000 jobs down there. They already had a presence. Now, dig. So here's my argument. Let me check it with you, Mr. Brain. 42 million, and I just told you it would take eight Mm -hmm. years to recoup that, right? For the city to actually get its money back, right? Mm -hmm. But the the real sweetener we're giving them is 10 times that. It's about 420 million, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So that means eight years times 10 is 80 years for the city to break even on its investment, right? Yeah, and that's that's not even counting the additional cost is that um, you know, by right. having a plant there, there's, there's more, there's sewer, there's taps, there's, there's all this sort of stuff. There's the trucks driving over the city streets. There are costs that a city incurs when there's business done there. And the argument is that we pay the taxes to cover the costs that us sort of being there and doing stuff are creating. And that's how that whole sort of deal works. Do you have any well, idea? Well, if they're not paying those taxes, then those costs are being borne by everybody else. Yes, plus, so, you sure, know, the yeah. city might make the city might make its money back, but in the meantime, the people of Detroit are still having to deal with, you know, the costs of having this massive plant there, uh, and they're covering Chrysler's share of the interim. Well, then there's the point, okay, that Chrysler, okay, all right, we'll do that one. That one's pretty good jobs. But then you got a hockey arena, and you've got um, money you're paying towards the train station redevelopment. No, we, tell the, the listeners, we don't really have an idea of the totality of how much we've given private industry, do we? No, no. And then part of that is because these organizations, um, uh, they put so much effort and they're designed from day one to be so opposed to transparency. Um, you know, there's a reason that it's the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation, the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. A lot of these things are not designed as government agencies, but rather as these independent corporations because... That makes it easier for them to get around transparency laws. It lets them pay their bureaucrats more than they could pay under civil service. The highest paid people sort of in the orbit of state government are in the uh, the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. So we have no idea what they're doing, what the terms are, or how much we're paying. Yes or no? We have very we have, little idea. We have some idea, but right. we don't have the total. Like, there's a good example is um, there are literally... There's companies out there, we basically know they're the big three, um, but officially there are companies out there sitting on billions of dollars of state tax credits that they can cash in pretty much whenever they feel like it, um, and who has those uh, those credits and how much they're worth is considered to be confidential taxpayer information that the state won't tell anybody. Um, you know, right. again, We can sort of figure it out pretty easily from context who they are, but um, back a couple of years ago, a couple of them, you know, a couple of them cashed in some of the tax credits, and they ended up taking up almost exactly as much in tax credits as every other business in the state paid in business income taxes. Like every business in the state wrote the treasury a check for however many billion dollars it was, and then the same amount in tax credits went back out to just a few companies, basically the automakers. Um, listen, you that, hear that? It's a, well, a terrible idea. The it's a watch. terrible idea. There's no way to mistake. The nomenclature screws people up. A tax credit, right, yeah. sounds like I get a break on the amount of taxes I'm paying. That's what it sounds exactly. like. But what it really is, it's a cash payment, a mm-hmm. subsidy to the company, correct? 
Yeah, well, there's, there's two kinds of taxes. Not to get too nerdy for your listeners, but there's refundable and non-refundable. Non-refundable is what everybody thinks of when they think of a tax credit. You get you know, money knocked off your tax bill until you get to zero, and once right. you get to zero, that's where you are. A refundable tax credit is a, is a fancy name for a subsidy. It's a way of hiding like an actual cash subsidy in the tax code because it means that if you had, say, $100,000 worth of tax liability, but you had $125,000 worth of refundable tax credits, not only wouldn't have to pay taxes, but you'd actually get a, quote, refund check of twenty-five grand. Right Now, they know when they write these deals that these folks aren't going to have anywhere near that kind of tax liability. No, let, let's go like this. Uh-huh. Let's go like this. Let's go like this so people follow. What we're saying is multinational corporations, big three, we all know, you can Google it. We're actually paying them for the dignity of staying here and leaving us our jobs. So the guy working in the paint shop at Chrysler pays more to the state than Fiat Chrysler itself. Yes or no? Uh, I mean, it probably depend year to year, but pretty much, yeah. And in Fuck. fact, uh, it gets even worse because some of the, if you want to get even worse about it, the new law that got signed toward the end of Governor Snyder's term that uh, um, some of the tax credits that are going into the Gilbert projects and some other stuff is that uh, not only are they paying more to the state, some of these workers are now actually paying a component of their income taxes to their boss. That for the first time, one of that? the ways that they're getting money out of these projects is that they're letting the developer, they're letting the business, quote, capture, unquote, um, payroll taxes, income taxes from their own employees. It's the first time ever in Michigan's history. Yes, that and not only that, let's remind it. everybody, if... They're also allowed to capture the sales tax mm-hmm. generated by by their neighbors. So if I've got the Coney Island and you've got the skyscraper, I get to capture a portion of your mm-hmm. sales tax because the thought is I brought more business to the Coney Island. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of shit that's going on. So, John, and it's even worse because that's how in Michigan that most people don't realize in Michigan the sales tax is, is our primary funding mechanism for our schools. So when our schools suck. Can you share just for the mm-hmm. for the point uh, or the purpose of clear clarification mm-hmm. in terms of how tax credits are either negotiated or secured? Okay, time out, time out there <laughs> for everybody listening. I apologize. You need to listen. Like, okay, now, John, make it consumable, not simple. Our people aren't stupid. Mm-hmm. Make it yeah. interesting. That's a great it's, question. It's, it's been it's been very interesting. This, this is our. This is why our roads suck. Our waters. Dirty, our power grid goes out. This is why all the things you're angry about with your government, this is the stuff going on underneath. But when people hear all they well, got, we can do a, green they, news. They got a tax credit for this, they got a tax credit for that. I mean, explain is there a formula? Is it based on negotiation? Is it based on the side? What are the contingencies for receiving a tax credit and what determines the amount? It's it's one of those things that, uh, that there's uh-huh. not a there's not a simple answer because I mean, in you got to remember that in many ways the the intent is to make this stuff complicated, more complicated than the average person can understand. So the basic process is a business goes to the, the local government or the state government. A lot of projects receive both local and state, sometimes county, uh, incentives. Um, they go to the government and say, hey, you have these programs on the books, you have these laws on the books that allow for these kinds of credits, and we here is our application 
Um, Speed it up, man. Submit ourselves with that. So they basically they go to the government and say, "Hey, you have tax credit uh, laws on the books. We have a we want to do a project. We want some of those tax credits." There's usually some level of negotiation that goes in. Um, there is a you know the bureaucrats work back and forth with them to make sure that they that they're you know dotting all the i's and crossing all the t's. A big piece of that, uh, overwhelmingly in almost every case, they have to say. We are uh, the business has to has to sign something legally on the dotted line, probably a perjury, whatever. Yeah, that we're, they would. The no, no, I'm act next, next. Here, let, just, let me answer. They, they got to promise the that they're only doing it because of the incentives. Right here, let, let me let me tell you how it works. Okay. You know the little Caesars deal. Yes. How did they get the little Caesars deal? We didn't know about it. They went up to Lansing, threw a bunch of money around, right? Got a guy to sponsor the legislation, and it passes in the late night around Christmas. Now, the guy in Lansing, the politician who sponsored it, well, guess what he does now? He works for the DEGC, the one that gave the money to Illich. It's it's that, what do you call it, that turnstile bullshit where I can barely make my property taxes. Rich guys are getting rich, and all of their poodles go to work for them. Then they go on the TV shows, try to convince me of something. They do. And then a few years down the line, when we don't have any cops and the water's poisoned, and every, everybody blames the asshole sitting in the chair now. So whoever wants to be mayor of Detroit, listen to me. You're going to get blamed for when the shit hits the fan. John, you're going to go like this, yes or no, when I tick it. There's a... Pension time bomb coming. Yes and no. Oh, absolutely. $200 million a year every year starting in 2023, right? Yeah. We we are giving too much money away to businesses that don't need it, and we're not spending it on the things that we do need. Dude, it's so bad. everybody Everybody thinks we all benefit when we do it, but we don't. It's so bad half the country's like, yeah, let's be socialist. I got shit. I don't have a grand in the bank. Well, this is what uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. back in the day uh, talked about programs like this, and he called them socialism for the rich, but rugged free enterprise capitalism for the poor. And that's what gets me is so often, you know, overwhelmingly these deals go to big businesses. They go to politically connected businesses. They go to businesses that have the best lobbyists, industries that have the best lobbyists. If you're a small business person, if you're, you know, Grace at American Coney Island, you're somebody trying to start up some home-based business in the city or elsewhere, you're not getting one of these deals. You're, you're paying for these deals because you're the one who's actually paying your taxes. And all the evidence is, is that that's where economic growth comes from. If, 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 if we want Detroit or any place in this state or any place in this country to grow economically, if we want people to have more wealth, the single best way to do that is to make it easy and 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 successful for people to start up businesses. Business, oh, libertarian, growth which is comes, government, get out of my ability to do business. Yeah. Right, right. Economic growth comes from small businesses. Big businesses don't create economic growth. Big businesses are what you get when you have economic growth. They are big because they grew. Big businesses don't grow. Small businesses grow. You want economic growth, you have to have small businesses. And overwhelmingly, all these programs are designed to help big business, not small business. Everybody thought the casinos were going to have that spillover. We're going to put them here, and they're going to attract. If you drive, and I don't gamble, but if you drive through the parking lot, 
they're all Michigan plates. Like it's not, you know, attracting any, you know, it's not Vegas. That's, People aren't flying here. You, know, you get abandoned houses a block away. It's yeah, not. That's not, how you exactly. make money, right? Is you attract people from outside the region. That's that's how it's a sports stadium will make money if you want to fly in. You know what happens in Madison Square Garden? They make money because people from L.A. fly in. That new stadium they're bu- building in Vegas, beautiful. People are going to fly in. Sports stadiums are the worst yeah, single thing we can subsidize. Here, here's a little. Here's a fun little we fact have, for you. We have those. Okay. Uh, <laughs> baseball baseball stadiums are, are have the most fans of any state. You got you know all the eighty one games a year or whatever the baseball stadium. Good year for the Tigers for any pro team is about three million fans. That's so a good attendance year. Okay. Three million fans, three million customers is about the customer annual customer base of a single like mid-sized Walmart store. Stadiums are black holes economically. They sit empty almost all the time. They barely do anything in the community around them. They they are just a terrible, terrible thing to subsidize. You put you could do more business by putting a, a like a department store there than you could a stadium. They're well, absolutely the wrong thing to subsidize. And 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 I, I I totally defer to you on that economically. But I think in terms of creating Detroit as a reason to you know to visit here, a reason to stay. How do you attract and retain residents? This mayor said to be, you know judge him on population, but we're continuing to lose population. People that can leave are leaving. People that are here. Are are not necessarily satisfied with the quality of life or the services mm-hmm. they're receiving. Uh, and as you just confirmed, that's because we're investing in the things that are not making a difference in the lives of those who live here. Yeah, no, you want, you want to, you want to keep Was people who live in the city. Um, schools, please <laughs> fire, EMS, you know, clean, streetlights working, all the things that go into like a functional community. I mean, somebody's not to be like, well, the police don't show up if I call or the schools are shit, but hey, we got a baseball team, so I'm going to stay here. Um, they'll be like, I'll move to the suburbs where I have those services and drive in and then drive right back out again. Um, all the evidence is, is that, you know, it's just in common sense. You, you, you get people to live someplace by making it a decent place to stay. And then, frankly, somebody who goes to the stadium one, two, three, five, however many times a year is going to be less interested about that and more like, hey, are there like little small businesses in my neighborhood? Do I have you know, a dry cleaner? Do I have a corner store? Um, you know, is there some place for my kids to, to play? Uh, you know, can I get, is there a drugstore? The little businesses that are the ones that get screwed in this whole deal, they're, you know, they're not getting stadium-sized subsidies. They're actually dealing with an overwhelmingly abusive set of okay. permits and fees and fines that they have to deal with uh, that the city needs for the money. And then let's do this, because, you know, for the unrepentant racist white person who doesn't give a shit about the city... Right. I'm, just, I'm kidding. But how much of all of this stuff indirectly or directly comes from a suburbanite like, you know, money that flows from across eight mile into the city? How much are, you know, outlying out people living outside the city? How much are they paying here? They're paying, aren't they? Well, yeah, because I, very few of these deals are just the city. Uh, overwhelmingly, they're the state and the city. And even if it is just the city, I, I mean, hell, we all got years worth of experience with the idea that the, the state is ultimately responsible for the finances of, of its cities. So, you know, when you're talking about, you know, uh, $398 million for the district or, um, you know, $207 million in state uh, incentives for the train station or, you know, uh, all the different Plus stuff, interest. Whoever, or whoever it is, that's all money that comes out of our state programs, out of our schools, out of all the stuff. That it that, does, that, Mr. That economist, because you know what? The property tax that they capture could have gone into the school fund 
And since it doesn't go into the school fund, the suburbs have to send money to Detroit to make them whole, meaning everybody loses a bit of money for the school district. By my calculation, mm-hmm. one teacher, right? I think that's about there's about 588 school districts, one teacher per, just just for the hockey arena payments every year. Yeah, and but, but it's important. I, want, I don't want to like. We shouldn't all just think that this is just a Detroit problem because the more I look around go. the state at other places that we sort of assume are like well run or these communities that that seem like they're doing fine, uh, the numbers are ridiculous there. So it shouldn't be like the suburbanists looking at looking at Detroit and being like, "Oh, you fools! What are you doing?" Um, I ran the numbers on uh, Royal Oak, um, just their tax abatements alone, how much money they're not collecting in taxes every year because of their own economic development deals, just in Royal Oak. Um, enough money to run their Ferndale Parks and Forestry, street lighting, engineering, elections, and the city clerk departments combined. It's a decent chunk of municipal government that they could be funding just with the economic development tax abatements they got. And it's like, it's Royal Oak. People aren't like, if you're going to build something there, you're going to build it because it's Royal Oak, because it's that. You've decided, well, this mm-hmm. is what I want rather than Ferndale or whatever. They don't need to subsidize that stuff. Or well, let me give you, let me give you an example. Price. Let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember the Fiat Chrysler plan, right? And, and we were told, it's got to be done now or Fiat Chrysler is going elsewhere. Remember? Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, have fun with so that. they <laughs> said, we're going to go to Belvedere, Illinois, because we have a plant there. <laughs> so I said, oh, wow, we got to get it done. We get it. I must have been the only reporter to call the mayor of Belvedere, Illinois, because you know what he told me? I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody called me. There's no plan here. We just lost our third shift, and we don't have a pot of money to give away. And I'm like, we got fucked. We got lied to. We didn't mind being lied to. And then, just a couple months later, some international merger with Peugeot? Like, you knew that was in the works for... Months and not if not years, because that doesn't happen overnight. They what we did was fatten the bottom line to make this company attractive for a merger, and now there's no guarantee, there's no clawback if Peugeot, Fiat Chrysler, this mammoth international thing decides not to do what they said. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's the big thing is that they. We get and I'm fucking paying to, for it. We get lied to on an ongoing, consistent basis. And the, the thing is that you know, because to get these deals, these companies have to say, "Oh, well, we are going to go someplace else if we don't get this incentive." Yes. And they all have to sign their name on that form, promising that yes, we're going to go someplace else. Like you said, you know, if it's one phone call, and they're like, "That's not it." Um, and it's the bureaucrats at the agencies who are supposed to be protecting our interests and actually doing that homework. It shouldn't have to be the, the reporters. It shouldn't have to be the podcasters, whatever it should be, the bureaucrats. That's they don't return calls. Job. They don't but, return calls. It goes man. against it goes against what they claim. It goes against, you know, the narrative. It goes against everything that they promise to be reelected and the can that they keep kicking while they're in office. So I yeah, wouldn't expect them the, to admit any of this. But there's a, there's a good example just back uh, at the end of 2018, uh, Matt Ishbia, uh, United Shore Mortgage up in Pontiac, he had gotten, he was building a new thing, and they're like, oh, we're going to give you like about uh, $2 million of tax incentives. And he found out through the paperwork, he's not involved in that sort of paperwork, he's running the company, he found out in the paperwork that they had gotten it because the whichever the, the MEDC or whoever it was had uh, signed off saying, yes, if they don't do this, they're going to move to California. 
And he's like, they weren't going to move to California. What the hell are you talking about? Um, and he gave back the he gave back the incentives. He's like, that's not that's not our money. We, you know, we were going to be here anyways, so we don't need it. Put it back in the schools. It was a the kind of thing that you you. Wow. It was. It was. It shouldn't be that unusual, and it shouldn't. I shouldn't have to look back two years for a uh, a business being ethical like that. But it was really a, a pretty amazing circumstance to see somebody be like, "Wait, no, we weren't going to go. Why did you give us this money? We didn't deserve it." Yeah, it is. We'll and, hear that. Often. And it is what it is now. Hey, listen, John Mozina, president of the Center of the, uh, for Economic Accountability, bro. We're going to come back to you as things unfold and you know events take place. Right, little expert. Yeah, I'd like to Look talk to him me. about some projections, you know, next time. Yeah. What, what, should we, what should we expect? You know, what kind of... Make us a list. When is the economy yeah. going to collapse? Is it going to collapse? What are interest rates going to be? The impact that it's going to have on the city. Well, what kind of future are we going to have for my, my daughter? Are polar bears going to be moving to Escanaba? I'm going to want the whole deal. I'll do I'll do what I can. I'm not an economist, but my, my job is to talk to him so you don't have to. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Smart guy. And, you know, my thing is, is that I'm still disappointed being an Eastsider that they just shut down St. Jean. Nobody asked anybody. Nobody said anything. Yeah. I mean, it's just like Duggan said on uh, Flashpoint. I, I he says, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get him here. I even promised to shut down St. Jean. And lo and behold whole damn street is shut down. I don't, you, you, I, know you I, don't. I don't mean to dismiss it. Small no, I potatoes. I know. I'm just global. thinking. I'm just thinking, Charlie. That's my no, thought. It's, it's, it's cool. You know, and it's one of my thoughts. That's I mean, all. you know, we, we've got the uh, Chinese making a deal. I don't know if it's a great deal, but it's some kind of deal. Yeah, that's just my thought. You know, whatever. Well, now, finally, to go from naked white men in a sauna Ugh. to the city council room of Flint to the office towers of Troy with bankers. We cannot forget our brothers and sisters in Detroit scraping by. Not all of them, but that, that's, I, I do, I do in Brownstown. That sounded wrong. So we went from high to low. And here's low. This is Gus Malone trying to get some disability because he's really not employable. He's a human being. This is um, produced by, what's Jason's last name? Jason Cook, Karen's son, he and Mannequin Joe are partners. We're trying to teach, not teach, Jason knows how to Well, they're all edit. learning. To be every, we're, we are all learning. You so know? Jason and I did a piece together, but, we, but okay, all cool. we, uh, we did it by text message and a 90-second phone call. Cool. And I go, not that way, and then he went fully the other way, and then this is what we have, and I think the guy's got... A lot of potential here. Okay. I really do. So uh, next one, we're going to sit together. I'm going to show them what I like. And that's what that's what that's what matters. And I appreciate yeah, that, it's a, Charlie. It's a family of and, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I really do. Thank well, you. I love you. You know, and we I are love a you back and more. And you all out there, I love you too. I do. And excuse us for wonking out, but I know you. Back to the green news after Gus and Timmy. <laughs> The Social Security office in Detroit is a dispiriting place done up in industrial grays. It's filled with the long, glum faces of those who molder in the bowels of the federal bureaucracy, waiting for some faceless bureaucrat to help them. Take a number. Sit down. No loud noises. No food. No phones.
Into this purgatory enters Gus Malone, a raggedy 52-year-old homeless man, along with his faithful dog, Timmy. Timmy is described as a white, fluffy fur chow, no bigger than a piece of carry-on luggage. Gus parades Timmy up and down the gray carpet of the waiting room as if this were the competition floor of the Westminster Kennel Club. Good boy, Timmy, crows Gus upon reaching the far wall, making an ostentatious pivot on the heels of his secondhand sneakers and cantering Timmy back across the waiting room. He brings him to a heel near the take-a-number machine. Timmy, you're a good boy. Here, Gus casts a sideways glance up at the government clerk, who is sitting behind the bulletproof glass, wanting to be sure she's taking this all in. But it appears that invisible dogs are as common at the Social Security office as a daffodil in spring. The bureaucrat bats not an eyelash at the dog who is not there. Gus has come to the Detroit office to file a disability claim with the federal government, hoping to hit the jackpot of all jackpots, $771 a month, every month, for the rest of his natural born days. Gus then confides that there really is no Timmy. It's a ruse that Gus characterizes as playing crazy. The invisible dog bit may be the dollop of perceived schizophrenia that will fast-track his application directly to the top of the approved basket. I'm just a man trying to eat, whispers Gus to a woman with an oxygen tank sitting next to him. I'm trying to eat while not getting ate, who it really hurt in any way. The lady nods knowingly to Gus. For all the electronic chatter about the comeback of Detroit, it is hard to see here at the Social Security office, miles from the refurbished office towers of downtown where the artificial beach, deck chairs, and outdoor cocktail stands have become something of a surrogate Puerto Vallarta for the skinny jean millennials who work the cubicles there. Out here in the real Detroit, where 650,000 of the poorest people in America live, no one seems to blame a guy pulling the invisible dog hustle. Out here in the other Detroit, the glass seems perpetually half-empty. Nearly half the children live in poverty. Average household income is nearly half that of the United States in general. Nearly half the adults are functionally illiterate, and consequently, nearly half the adult population is not only unemployed, they're not even looking for a job. Detroit has made progress since the bad old days when both General Motors and the city itself went bankrupt and the mayor was sent to prison for lining his pockets with the public's money. Today, the budget is balanced, condominiums are being built, and thousands of people move downtown to live and work. Development is booming, much of it with substantial public subsidies. Welfare for the rich. But outside the downtown Silk Stocking District, opportunities are fewer beyond the government check. A recent study of U.S. Census data showed that while 31,000 jobs were created in Detroit between 2011 and 16, the number of Detroit residents who had jobs declined by 4,500. Thousands continue to get their water shut off for lack of payment, and thousands more lose their houses every year due to tax foreclosure. And consequently, the Social Security office does a booming business. And it is into this army of have-nots that Gus hopes to enlist. He rises early from bed beneath a picnic table in a newly refurbished park in Corktown, the epicenter of white revival in downtown Detroit. I like it in the white part of town, Gus says. It's safer there. 
And so Gus awakes, ties his shoes, relieves himself in the bushes, puts a bristle to his gums, and jumps aboard his stolen bicycle with the bent rear rim and the dog leash hanging from the handlebars. Whatever his malady, Gus is vigorous, managing to outpace the queue line, built with taxpayer money, that services downtown commuters. The trolley, however, has so few commuters that it is in jeopardy of going insolvent, and there is a push to get taxpayers to fund this too. There's plenty of fresh cement in downtown Detroit. Gus wobbles by a restaurant that features $100 steaks. But who can afford a $100 steak? Already, restaurants are closing. It is easy to dislike a man like Gus. He is, after all, a spectacle and a mooch, a deserter from the 9-to-5 work world who characterizes his adult life as the mop, the dishwashing machine, the crack stem, and a few smash windows. Still, there is something appealing about a man clucking lovingly to an empty leash. Gus manages to panhandle two bucks for some invisible dog food. God bless, God bless, says Gus to the good Samaritan. He hops aboard his pilfered bike and continues his ride to the government office with Timmy in tow. And there goes the skyscraper hole being built with hundreds of millions of dollars in public subsidies. And there goes the sports stadiums that house all four of Detroit's professional sports teams. Those two were built with public money. But to add insult to poverty, all four teams reside somewhere near the cellar and still make a handsome profit. Meanwhile, back at the Social Security office, number 87, number 87, Gus's number's been called. You want to file for disability? Asked the sleepy-eyed clerk. Yes. Are you able to work online? I can't read, says Gus. Do you have ID? No, he informs. Sit, Timmy. I brought my dog Timmy with me, too. Say hello to Timmy. Hello, Timmy, says the clerk, who for the first time looks up, only to find nothing. She taps lethargically into the computer before handing Gus an appointment slip for his intake interview, scheduled three weeks from today. By any measure, a reasonable outcome. On their way out the door, Timmy takes a shit on the carpet. Bad boy, Timmy, shouts Gus, who stoops over with an outrageous flourish to pantomime the tidying up of Timmy's mess. And then Gus turns one last time with a wave to the clerk. She waves back. A reasonable day indeed. That is, until Gus steps out into the chill, only to realize someone has stolen his stolen bike. I like that, Charlie. I was really engaged. I almost forgot where I was. That was good. I enjoyed that. You said it well. We're going to... Too much narration, a little dead spot with sound in the middle. Just a few... Cues. I got you, but I'm, I was, I'm listening to the narration. I mean, I'm listening. I'm following. I am seeing Gus and Timmy. I'm following it mentally. When I can follow something and create it, then it's good. I mean, I'm listening to your narration. I'm following the story. I enjoyed that. It's, it's, it's hard to get all this done, you know, in a week, you know. Well, I mean, but you like, do, so. So, but I, I, just for your son, you tell him, like, he's, I know he's a producer, but like, he does a few of those. He can do This American Life, you know, like with Ira Glass. He's been asking me, like, when are we going to do another piece? When are we going to exactly. do another piece? So it's me. I actually have two things in you mind. You want to do The Tiger Lady. I got to do The Tiger Lady, um, but I also have uh, somebody else um, that is, to me, offers an insight into the forgotten Detroiter. Um, and I'm going to, I, I want to share his story. Uh, right. Somebody that lived on the street that I grew up on 
And, you know, when I left and my mom was still there, he was always the person, the handy guy. You know, he would. And because of that, he's fallen on hard times. But he was always there for my mother. And so whatever he needs, Mm -hmm. I got him. But some of the circumstances that he has gone through and experiences based on, you know, he takes care of his uh, uh, mentally challenged brother. But just, you know, he's got a $240 electricity bill. He right. didn't get his disability check for three months. What like, does that mean? See, I'm going to give you some advice now. Listen, okay. show, don't tell. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. But I'm just saying this is that, you know, and people. He's a re- he, look, he, there, there's, we're all he's forgotten. A, and he's a good guy. We're all forgotten. Good guy. Like what you just described, I know a lot of people yeah, like that. that or, or the anxiety. Every study show you anxiety is rising because we're worried about being that person. But what would he do? If, because he won't call and I'll go grocery shopping. I said, you know, do you need anything? Let us go grocery shopping for you. He won't ask. So I check. So what would happen if I weren't there to kind of help? He'd probably get it done. I don't he know. He probably would. Maybe but... why don't you stop helping him and then no, I'm stand not. back at a distance and yeah, sit. That's not me, Charlie. Well, remember now, show, don't tell. Yes, sir. And sometimes I take recording deck, and as you know in these pieces, sometimes I don't. Because, you know, one, it's cold. Two, I'm not allowed... To record in the government building to make any sense. So now you take your notepad, right? So you, you, there's many ways to do it. Okay, I'm learning too, Charlie. That's why like guys like your son, the artist, help bring the thing to life, right, Joey? It's just layers of sound. It's like it's in that, you know. But life is a learning process for yeah. everybody. The minute the, it is, you the know, fake dog. <laughs> like what a, I I found him in the fake dog working on the Coney Island and like. That that's such a great job for a reporter mm-hmm. because a lot of stories come your way. Right. Usually, as a reporter, you get up, you go to work, you go, "Fuck, I got nothing this week. I got nothing. I got to find something." It's really good to have a job where, like, you just get a whiff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm down there working on the foundation, and I I just noticed the cigarette butts, and I noticed that the cigarette butts are smoked down all the way to the end, and you always know the good times, the good times. It would stand a reason that half-smoked cigarettes would be thrown away, hmm. right? You're rich. You don't smoke the whole thing. You're in a hurry. I didn't see any. That wow. registers. That's pretty profound, Charlie. That's the... the but that also... Sh- you life. have to take the time to notice things and people and circumstances, occurrences, or lack thereof. Those are the things that tell you what's really going on, not just absorbing what you're being told and being given. See, I'm not going to blow myself, but, like, I was trained to do stories like that. You know, you put the... Those are stories. Yeah, like, okay, I'll hang with it. You want to, what do you want, you know, we had John on. That's a a ladle of information. You know, a lot of people don't like it. People want it hidden. You want your medicine mixed up with lemonade, right? And some people do like it that way. But the art of journalism and storytelling and just that good yarn in the paper, that's just gone. It's 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 just gone. It's a tweet now, but I still dig it. But this is the thing, though. Even the information, when pre- presented, I mean, the way that it's, in my opinion, presented here, is still a story. It's still engaging. Mm-hmm. Like it's not somebody reading or just taking, you know, cutting and pasting from something else. I mean, he's peeling away layers on an issue that most people either have not thought about, have not talked about, or haven't heard about. Yeah. That's valuable. And don't forget, got to dig each other, right? And oh, we cannot let it go without, you know, the voice of a prominent female from Detroit 
Take us out, Joey. Hey, my daughter was listening to it. Why men great so they gotta be great? You're in frown. I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm a hundred percent that bitch. Even when I'm crying crazy, yeah, I got boy problems. That's the human in me. Bling, no, bling, nice then I watch. saw him. That's the goddess in me. You could've yeah, had a bad bitch. Not they had a late start at school today. I took him out to breakfast. That was cool. And then, you know, we applied the math. Like, uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to tip 20%. Right. Right? So you're going to round this up to the higher number. So it was like, it was $18. I go, oh, that's 20. Right? And I go, what's half of 20? Uh, two. I said, double it. That's 20%. Four. I go, there you go. That's what you do. But that's how kids learn. You can't just say, go read a book, go figure it out. So, And then they say, you want you want the, that oatmeal to go to the box? I'm like, don't take, if you go out to eat, don't take a box. Don't walk out with a box. That's another conversation. Depends on where you are. You get that $100 steak and don't eat it all. Yeah, I ain't going to do that. No, if I get a $100 steak, I'm sitting there, it's done. <laughs> Good weekend, Joey. Like, I, I, I.